How you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to PHLY Flyers. That's right, PHLY. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Joining me as always from, I believe, Nashville, Tennessee, but we'll we'll check uh, to make sure. Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter, Charlie O'Connor. Charlie, are you in fact in Nashville? I am indeed in Nashville. And sure we- am. I always celebrate when we get Charlie's audio, even if I know like we've already checked it, it's still the show is live. So anything could have gone wrong in those 30 seconds, uh, but it doesn't seem to have. So uh, we can get going right now. Charlie, have you had any hot chicken yet? Um, I have not had any hot chicken. I may have that for dinner tonight uh, because this is the last night of my trip where I can actually like go out to dinner and have a nice dinner because tomorrow is the game. Obviously I will be covering that for Bridgestone arena. And then Wednesday I'm leaving early. So this is my last dinner and I would definitely like to try the hot chicken because I didn't get to try it at the draft last year. Ooh. I was running around so much and doing all, doing all the draft work I have to do and didn't have a chance to try the hot chicken. So I think that might be the goal for tonight. Acme feed and seed uh, on Broadway. Great live music, nice bar, outstanding chicken. That's my, that's my road trip. It just so happens that like the five places I've been in my life, you're going to some of them on this trip. So I actually have <laughs> things to talk to you about. Uh, but we have plenty to talk about with this hockey team because they're uh, they're awesome. I, I don't know what I don't know how else to put it, Charlie. <laughs> like this is just a good team, and I think there's nothing. There, there's just they'll probably lose ten in a row now. Uh, but I. I I don't see it really coming, but the first thing I want to talk about is the uh, the Carter Hart quote that kind of <laughs> really made its way around, and everyone has been sounding off about what they think it means. Carter Hart, after uh, they beat Colorado, said, I don't think anyone wants us to win, kind of in response to just, you know, the underdog mentality, all that sort of stuff that they have. Charlie, how'd you take that quote? I mean, I took that quote, I think, the same way everyone did. I was surprised he said it. It was one of those there, – there, there are certain moments when you're in an interview, and it was my question that, that, that inspired the answer. But there are certain moments when you're in an, interview, in an interview and you just, like, pump your fist because you realize, like, you got the, the great quote. And that can be the, the basically the, the key part of your article that you're going to write in a few minutes after all that's done. Like, as soon as you said that, it was obvious that was the story, was that it's abundantly clear – to me at least, that the Flyers are paying attention to what is being said about them, what was being said about them from the summer, you know, when the Flyers organization officially said we're rebuilding. I don't think the players like that because the players don't want to be part of a rebuild. They want to be part of a winning team. And then I think they are also paying attention to the people, especially on social media, who are getting angry when they win. Uh, And I I think it bothers them. And you know what? If that's what can fuel a team, then good. You know, the the players have every right to to use whatever 
slights and whatever, you know, fuel they can find. And I honestly believe that the the crew that is in favor of tanking is very much irking the players and they are using that to, uh, you know, to do the whole like we'll prove them wrong kind of thing. Yeah, I've seen some responses to it. One from like not Flyers fans online, just general hockey fans who were like, the Flyers, oh, like they think they're so hated still and all that. Like, no, it has it actually has nothing to do no. with like being a rival. It's it's the in town fans, it's the Philadelphia fans that they're talking about when they say nobody wants us to win because this came up on uh, on Thirty Two Thoughts today as well. And Elliot Friedman was like, "Listen, it's a, nobody doesn't want the Flyers to win." And I was like, "Actually." <laughs> <laughs> yelling at my phone as it's playing a podcast. I'm like, no, no, there's a, there's a whole contingent. And I definitely this summer, this off season thought that the way to go was uh, tear it all down and go. Oh, in 82, if, if at all possible, you know, I, that was probably the way to go last year because a generational talent was available at the top of the draft and Connor Bedard. So of course he went to the Chicago Blackhawks cause they needed one of those bad, um, but I, I think back to uh, I think back to 2017 and that Eagles run and the whole underdog mentality and the the battle cry we all we got we all we need and we all kind of jumped on that bandwagon like yeah Philly versus everybody but it was actually the players saying even the fans have given up on us because Carson Wentz got hurt. They can go fuck themselves. Everyone we need is in this locker room. And that's kind of how I take this Carter Hart quote. I don't think it's 100%. Nobody wants us to win. I'm enjoying myself. Uh, at the same <laughs> time, I don't know if this is the best for what's going to happen five years from now uh, when like Matt Vamichkov is here and hopefully they're competing for cups. We'll see. Uh, but I, I, I agree. I like that they're using it as motivation and with John Tortorella as the coach, like, you know, it gets brought up that, Oh, the, everyone thinks we should be losing on purpose. That's what everyone thinks of you. Like that, you know, for a fact that he's fueling that fire, right? Yeah, yeah. And the one thing I do want to point out about this, and look, I have no problem with the players using this as motivation. I have no problem with them, you know, heck, it, maybe maybe they're all throwing darts at, at my face because <laughs> I, you know, I, I thought the team was going to be bad going into this year. Maybe. Who knows? But the, the point that I will make is that while it makes perfect sense that the players should be using the doubters, the haters as motivation. It also was completely reasonable to doubt them. Like they only really have themselves to blame for people doubting them because the past three seasons, the team has been trash. And like a lot of the same guys are on this team yeah. that were on the team when this team was bad. So, well, yes, players absolutely use, use doubt and, and hate as motivation that that's great. They should. If, if whatever works, whatever helps them win, but it's not like the doubt was unfounded. It's not like this is unfair. Like there was every reason to believe that 
these players who we have largely seen, yeah, they've made some changes. They had some ads, but these players who we've largely seen for the last three years underachieve and fall apart. And, and every time it looks like they're, they're about to turn the corner, they fall flat on their face. It was very reasonable for everyone to doubt them. So yes, use, use it as fuel, but there should be a little bit of a self-awareness on their part that like, they're the reason why this doubt exists. I, yes, absolutely. Like that's 100% <laughs> correct. And that's why like Jonesy and Danny keep telling us, Oh yeah. The players will decide how long this rebuild is because to this point they have told us we need to rebuild. Like their yeah, exactly. actions have led us to the decision to rebuild. Uh, and now they'll be the ones in charge of telling us how long it lasts. Like, absolutely. I also don't need self-awareness from the athletes. Like okay, I fair. need them to go out and hit the frozen rubber disc with the stick. Like that's what I need them to do. Uh, it, like if I'm, well, you really need to look internally. Like they can do that when their careers are over and they're writing their books. <laughs> they could, you know, they can absolutely do that, but it does lead to a question. And we have a bunch of mailbag questions. We're going to get to them in like the second part of the show. I just have a bunch of random thoughts. I want to throw by Charlie, uh, while we're getting things started here. Have they done anything? The organization other than say the word rebuild, have they done anything that indicates like we're rebuilding to this point? Now I read your article with Danny and what we're going to do with the trade deadline, all that. So we'll get to some of that. Uh, but like from the time Briere was named GM to now, are they definitely like, has this been a rebuild? Yeah, I, I absolutely believe it has. I mean, I guess the the argument that you hear some people say is that, well, the guys they got rid of, they would have done that anyway just because John Tortorella didn't want them. But the, the, tr the fact of the matter is, is that they got rid of their number one defenseman and didn't replace him. They got rid of their second leading scorer and didn't replace him. Like they didn't do anything really. I mean, they went out, they what? they signed Mark Stahl and Garnet Hathaway. Like that is not replacing Ivan Provorov and Kevin Hayes. It's just not. Mark Stahl is the worst player on the team. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I would say that they, they traded guys away for futures. Now granted, it wasn't like they got a ton for them. Well, Provorov they did, but for Hayes they didn't. Obviously D'Angelo, they, they, Technically got nothing because it was a buyout, but we all know it was actually a trade. Massimo Rizzo, um, baby. Massimo Rizzo. There we go. But I, I think, I think yes. I think they absolutely that the summer they had was a rebuilding summer, both in terms of what they did, the Proverop deal specifically, and in terms of what they didn't do, which was go out and spend assets to improve, go out and sign free agents to big contracts despite the fact that they did have cap space. I mean, if they really wanted to, they could have just operated on the assumption, which they're already operating under, that Ryan Ellis is never going to play again, had him on long-term injury reserve, and use that cap that cap allowance, is what it's technically called, to uh, to build up the team. Instead, they did nothing. They went out, they signed Garnet Hathaway, they signed Mark Stahl to, to cheap deals, and they called it a day because the goal was let's, let's give the kids opportunities, we got to keep spaces for them. And I think it kind of plays into that, just this idea of Danny Breer, and we're going to get into the conversation that I had with him this weekend, of we're not buying. 
Like, we are not buying at the deadline. Do not expect us to buy at the deadline. Now, what we actually do, that might be a little bit dependent on how the team plays the rest of you know the next two, three months, but do not expect us to buy. And to me, that is a rebuilding mentality because, look, if they weren't rebuilding, if this was still the Chuck Fletcher era and you're looking at a team with the uh, the results that they've had thus far and where they are in the standings, Flyers would absolutely be buying. The fact that they are where they are and they have already essentially ruled out the possibility of buying, like that tells me they they are at a rebuild. And man, you know, it's <laughs> Chuck Fletcher go out. I know he just retired, but man, Nate Thompson might be available. And uh, <laughs> Chuck Fletcher, you, you can't stop him from going out and getting Nate Thompson. You just simply can't. It's far too important. Uh, you know what else is important? It's a daily supplement routine. Um, I. I just thought of that one. Top of the head. I nailed it, I think. <laughs> uh, listen, our new partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it literally every day. I gave AG1 a try because, listen, I've told you plenty of times before, my life pre-PHLY was routineless. I was just talking to Tyler, like the nights, the weekends, like the, sh the schedule was absolutely insane. Uh, different every day, but now that I've got some normalcy back, I want to try to be a little bit healthier, just a tad, uh, and AG1 is a tremendous way to kick off my morning routine. I drink AG1 every morning to start my day, and it makes me feel like I'm doing something good for my body because I'm giving my body the nutrition it craves and just starting off on the right foot. One scoop of AG1 for me and some water, maybe even in my coffee uh, while I'm like getting my dog's breakfast together. He's got a bunch of medicine. He's 13. It's like a whole routine to try to trick him into eating something. I have a nice routine for myself now. And before I've even taken a shower or anything, I feel like I've accomplished something. Uh, and that just sets me up to keep going throughout my day. If a comprehensive solution is what you need for your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash flyers. That's drinkag1.com slash flyers and check it out. And this is yet again another Kelly Hinkle approved uh uh product that we are uh product that we're selling so if you're like look at bill i'm not taking any health advice from him one understand totally understand but kelly hinkle runs like 5k's for fun you know so if you don't want to listen to me listen to her um i will not be compensating kelly for any of this but appreciate her uh her thumbs up on this all right so charlie uh, we we basically have a question that gets to the root of this, but I said that at the st start of the show, like this team's just actually good. Uh, and uh, maybe there are signs that you are seeing. Maybe there's some numbers that you're seeing that maybe don't mesh with what I'm saying here, but they're 10, three and one since San Jose, they're second in the Metro, uh, they've scored four-plus goals 13 times in the first 27 games. That's like half the time they score four goals. They've allowed two or fewer goals 13 times as well in these first 27. So they're like kind of kicking team's ass at least half the time. Uh, Travis Konechny, as of after Saturday's games, I didn't update these stats uh, for anything that happened after Saturday, but Konechny is tied for fourth in goals after Saturday. Carter Hart's 919 save percentage is seventh in the NHL. 
Sandheim's 20 points are top 10 amongst defensemen. His average time on ice is second behind John Carlson. As a team, penalty kill, 86.2, sixth. They're top half of the league in uh, five-on-five goals. The only bad things that I can find about them statistically are the power play, 12%, 27th. We all know it's a joke. And face-offs, 47.2%, 26th. That might be coming back around a bit as Sean Couturier's hands start to come back. He was he won a bunch of draws on Saturday. It could get better, but that's one of their horrible stats. They shut out Vancouver, one of the best scoring teams in the league. They beat Edmonton, L.A., Carolina, Vegas, Colorado. They're 7-0. and when playing teams for a second time this year, which is crazy to me. Like, all right, they got us the first time. We know who they are now. They're this hardworking team. We know how we have to play to beat them. No, no one has yet. They're 7-0 in second meetings. Carolina won a third meeting, but that doesn't fit my narrative, so I won't be including it in this. The goalie is good. They play really well at both ends as a team. They have a star forward scoring as much as anybody. They have a number one D-man playing more minutes than anyone and producing like a number one. The penalty kill is dominant and dangerous. They're internally motivated to shut up assholes like me who thought they'd win 20 games this year. What's bad? Like, they're a good team. I don't know what, like, (laughs) I'm done fighting it. They're just good, Charlie. Your response? (laughs) Retort? (laughs) No, in all honesty, I think for me, the Colorado game was, that that was a tipping point game for me. Because I, I remembered the way they played against the Rangers, which I thought was the last, like, game that, you know, they could show if they're for real. And they laid an egg. And that was a fast team that took advantage of the Flyers' weaknesses. Colorado is basically the Rangers on steroids. I mean, they and this was on the road in a hostile environment. I mean, that ball arena is loud. It is a it is a fun atmosphere. And there's the fact that there's the altitude thing, which is really a problem. I mean, that is a legitimate difficulty of playing in Denver. That is a serious advantage that the Avalanche have over pretty much every team they play when they're at home. And the Flyers didn't just win. They honestly won, I wouldn't say easily, but they were the better team. They were the better team in that game. They won all the statistical categories, except for probably shots on goal, but they created more more dangerous chances. They won in expected goals. They earned that win. This was not a win they lucked into. And coming out of that game, it's just like, honestly, I, I have to acknowledge that they are a good team. They are. Because... You're right. All the numbers say they are. They're they're top five in in Corsi. They're top. I don't know if they're top five in Corsi, but they're definitely top five in expected goals at five on five, and in all situations. So the the underlying numbers back it up. The eye test backs it up. They keep beating good teams. Yeah, this this is a good team. Now again, do I think they are a great team? No, and, and I don't think the the organization thinks they're a great team either. Again, we'll we'll get to the Danny Briere conversation in a bit, but their actions and their words imply they don't think this is a great team. But this is pretty clearly a good team, and yeah, maybe they fall off. I do think the Flyers. I mean, obviously Noah Cates missed missed some time. Rasmus Salina missed some time, but I do think the Flyers. If they've gotten pretty lucky with injuries so far and they haven't had like if they were to lose Travis Konechny for a while, if they were to lose Travis Sanai for a while, if they were to lose, God forbid, Sean Couturier for a while, then I think this thing goes off the rails pretty quick. But I guess you could theoretically say that about pretty much any team if they lose one of their three best players. That said, the Flyers, I do think, you know, 
it's not necessarily that those guys are carrying the Flyers. It's just that the Flyers have no one who can do what they do. Like, if Travis Konecki is gone, then suddenly, like, who scores the goals? I guess you do it by committee, but he's the only dynamic, real, really the only dynamic weapon who's consistent that they have. Sean Gaturier's impact has been enormous, and if he were to go down, we've seen what happens when he doesn't play. That we saw it the last year and a half, the real friggin' terrible. So maybe that could knock them off the rails. But beyond that, aside from the concern about injuries to key players, yeah, I think this is a good team. I think they've done nothing to tell me otherwise. It's it's just like. I've been fighting the idea that they're actually good. And we have a question about like, when are the struggles coming? Cause they keep telling us. So I'll wait for that. But it's just, I, I don't see anything other than like you said, like, and I'm going to throw Carter Hart into that category as well. I've liked what I've seen out of Samuel Harrison, but I have no idea if he's actually good. Like he's played a few good games. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, like you're seeing around the league, like, Oh, Edmonton has the exact same team. It did last year when they were like, awesome. Uh, they got bad goaltending, so they had to fire their coach. Like, Carolina just can't buy a save, so, oh, yeah, we dominate puck possession, but the other team scored four goals on 18 shots, so we lose. Like, if they were to lose Carter, like, that, uh, those sorts of things could absolutely derail this, but like you said, that's anyone. Outside of the pitfalls that all teams fear, I guess Sanheim just going back to what he was previously, and even not just last year when he was terrible, but the average Sanheim where he's, oh, he's pretty good. Like, yeah, he's nice. That, I guess, would hurt them because they right now have a dynamic number one defenseman. Uh, and if you took that away, I could see it going poorly. But there's nothing I can definitely point to and be like, oh, this is the bot. This is where the bottom falls out, right? Like, I just don't see one area other than the injury thing. Yeah, I and and honestly, when you when you talk about Sanheim, they kind of already have seen him struggle. Like, I thought he was great on Saturday, but the week or so leading up to Saturday's game, I thought Sanheim regressed a bit, and they kept winning. So, I mean, not that he was terrible, but he he made some he made more mistakes. He was uh, he was involved in some turnovers and defensive breakdowns and the team kept winning. So, look, I think the conversation has shifted now from. Is are they for real? Because I think people are, are coming around the idea that like, yeah, this team's pretty good. Now, the conversation has shifted to is it a good thing that they're for real or is it bad? Because they still don't have the kind of high end talent that makes you think that they could be a cup contender. And the conversation is now more philosophical than it is evaluation of the quality of the team, because at least as they stand right now, as they are playing, as what the results say, this is a good hockey team. And I don't think that's, I don't think you can deny that. Like we look at all the numbers. They kind of speak for themselves. Yeah. Uh, and the thing, uh, I think a lot of people are starting to just, Kind of like me, throw up your hands. You know, I keep saying, buy the ticket, take the ride. Like, what can we do? They're good. Might as well enjoy it, I guess. We've watched you know, three years of hor horrendous hockey. Like, uh, it's not horrible that they're good right now, at least from a keeping your sanity standpoint. But I went <laughs> and checked out the uh, NHL attendance numbers. 
that has not caught up with the Flyers yet. They're still bottom 10 in uh, in attendance. Now, like bottom 10 in the NA, like everyone's at least 85%, except the Sharks, which is the worst team ever assembled. Like they're a fake team. They're at 75. But the Flyers are at 91%, but, you know, half the league is at 95 or more, you know? Uh, so they're bottom 10 in attendance and that means there's tickets available fam and if you want to get into a game with the flyers there's no better way to do it than with game time uh game time is the fast and easy way i yeah there it is uh, i was trying to start it before i could find it in my script and i was like oh yeah there's that's probably how it begins no i've been doing this for months now and i have no idea how it starts buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports music comedy and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now, typically I want you to use game time for all of your ticket needs. But while we're on the subject, Thursday is the exception. Thursday, December uh, December 14th. I was going to say the 12th, but no, it's 12-14. December 14th, Flyers Caps. You're going to want to check out that game with us, and you're going to want to get your tickets at allphly.com. Go to the events tab and check out the PHLY Flyers Takeover. That's right. We have tickets to the game. We are selling them to you. Uh, and not only are you going to get to see Flyers caps, hopefully the Flyers are going for, what, their sixth in a row by Thursday. Uh, you're going to get to see Ovechkin out there as every time he takes the ice, he's looking to make history. You're going to get to hang out with me and Charlie. There's going to be a cool meetup before the game. And up until second intermission, food and drinks, they're on the house. So why wouldn't you go to this uh, PHLY takeover? Make sure you check it out. All the information is on our socials as well as allphly.com. And now, Charlie, since we're talking about allphly.com, it is time to get into your article, your part one of your interview with Danny Briere. A um, couple of answers here that you have uh, questions you asked them that I want to get into. The first one is the general, the question on everyone's mind. Are they still committed to a future focused rebuild? He said, yes, as you laid out before, they're not going to look to buy. Uh, they're looking to build a team that's going to be a contender for a lot of years, which I get, and it's also like, oh, well, yeah, Sean Couturier is like 31. Like, there's a couple of inconsistencies there. But I think for the most part, he answered that question correctly, or the way I wanted it answered. What did you think about that one? Yeah, I, I would say that, and it's it's a worthwhile question. Like, as somebody in our Discord actually said, like, do you think that they – 
because they've really been pushing over the last few days. I believe Danny Breer, I obviously didn't watch the game on television, but I believe he was interviewed by JJ yeah. uh, before the game. He said something similar. Um, and somebody said, like, does it seem like they're pushing this because they see fans getting frustrated with the fact the team is winning? And my answer in the discord was that I honestly think that they realize that that contingent is it seems larger than it actually is because of social media, but the vast majority of, of Flyers fans like to see the team win because they're Flyers fans and they're not thinking about the implications of a rebuild. Really? They're thinking about, I turn the Flyers game on. I want to see them play well. And they're happy about it. That said, I, I do think that there's a, there's maybe a preemptive fear on the part of the organization that People tune into the games, they think this team is good, and then we're going to go out of the deadline and maybe sell Sean Walker. And they want to prepare people for that possibility of the idea of like, guys, just to be clear, we're rebuilding. Don't expect us at the trade deadline to go out and spend a first round pick on somebody. Like to me, that's what this communication is more directed at. It's directed at the fans who have an expectation of, hey, the Flyers are in a playoff spot. They're going to do crazy stuff and go by. And I think that's more what he's talking about. And he's more talking to those fans rather than trying to. Well, it, it serves a double purpose, obviously, because it, it says something to the fans who want them to rebuild. But I do think that a lot of this is preparing more, I guess, in the moment fans that like, hey, we ain't changing our plan here. And that's like if throughout the course of the interview, he was like, listen, man, I get like we're in a playoff spot right now, but this thing is really tight and it could change tomorrow. You know, it's not as if we're running away with the division. He made a point to say that like if they yeah. were, maybe then the thought would be different. Like, oh, we're we're 10 points up. Yeah. Why wouldn't we buy like we have a chance to win the cup. But like right now they're in that weird middle, you know, of the league where you're not great, but you're better than a ton of teams because there's just a lot of really bad teams. Uh, but I, I will say though, Charlie, if they fail to sell Sean Walker at the deadline, this is not a rebuild. That's it's months away. I'm not worrying about it right now, but a 29 uh, year old defenseman on an expiring contract, you sell him to the highest bidder in a rebuild, no matter what your definition is, you do that. It's right. Uh, but I, I did like that answer. There was one answer that you actually pointed out in the thing uh, that you wanted to get into. And it's about the, yeah. the question of where the high end talent is going to come from. Uh, he even said, you know, you asked, like, what does this team need? And he goes, you know, you know what it is. It's high end talent. What did he you, you then ask him to basically elaborate? What did you want to get into on this answer? Yeah, I just thought I, I thought he he answered pretty much all the questions in part one and keep an eye out. Part two will be tomorrow. That will only be for our, our diehard members. That's. Charlie has frozen. <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's a really, really funny face for Charlie to be frozen on. Uh, hopefully he's able to rejoin us. Uh, but what Charlie is going to get to. Um, basically is, you know, he said, okay, so you've mentioned the need for high-end talent. I, that's what you're going for. And you've had a couple of high-end draft picks, but I think most people would say you need a few more if you're really going to definitely, like, almost guarantee yourself you have those guys. 
And Danny answers, well, we did draft high the last two years. Uh, yeah, this font. Okay. <laughs> well, we did draft high the last two years, so that would be the start of it. But like I said, when you're not spending $12 million on a player or even two like Edmonton does, Colorado has three or four high-end guys, we're not going to be built that way. So depth will be important to us. That's kind of what we're doing. You see it up front with some of our young guys kind of starting to come. We have so many young guys. Probably won't have to pay the $12 million for a guy, but we'll pay to have the depth and be able to match line one to four with teams. That's, that's a little concerning. Charlie, I just, read the, uh, I just read the Danny quote about the high-end talent and focusing on depth, and we're not going to have a $12 million guy like Colorado has a few, Edmonton has a few. That's concerning. I just, I think the, it just goes back to kind of one of the concerns of this whole thing, which is we know we need high-end talent. And then I hit them with, I hit them with the logical follow-up, which is if you know that that's the problem, how are you going to get it if you're not picking in the top 10? And his answer, I thought this was the only answer where he stumbled because his answer basically was, well, we've already done that. We, we did draft high the last two years. And it's like, okay, fair, that that is true. Is that enough? You know, because as we've talked about, that means that they really have to hit home runs with both those picks if they're not going to be getting high in talent any other way. And maybe they have, because I do think one thing I will say is that I think there is a little bit of a misconception that like you need four superstars to win a cup. You really don't like people are look, people look at Colorado. It's like, Oh, we got to be Colorado. Like, I mean, you have to have a lot of good players to be sure, but like LA, like how many superstars did they have? They had Kopitar and then Dowdy. Dowdy. That was two. So you have two. Chicago had two K's, uh, K K's Kane and Taves. So like, yeah, it's cool. If you have Nate McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, Kale McCarr and Gabriel Landeskog, like that's awesome. I don't think you need four. And if Mave Mitchkov is a star and Cutter Gauthier is a really good player, like that really should be enough. The concern is what if they're not, then are you just topping out as a team that loses in round one every year? And I don't think Briere had a really good answer to address that beyond well, we'll just have a deep team. And it's like, uh, you know, I, I, I almost wish he would have said something like, there's other ways to get high-end players. You know, no, we can explore trades. We can explore free agency rather than being like, now nah, we're just going to roll four lines. That, like, I'm just thinking about, uh, like, uh, he could have just answered, and I guess you don't want to set yourself up for like, okay, well, now everyone's waiting for you to make a trade, and every day you don't make a trade, you're failing, and, like, there's no guarantee you can sign a free agent. But, like, how did we get, why is Danny Briere our general manager? Because we signed him as a free agent. Like, <laughs> why did that team go to a Stanley Cup final? Because they traded for Chris Pronger. Like, the, those, those were teams built on depth. Like, the, the Forsberg trade that gave them all the guys that, the, that it did with Tiemann and Hartnell, and then they go get Upshaw. Of course, he becomes Carcillo. But, like, the, what, the 08 team? had four or five guys score 20 goals. Like there are multiple ways to do it. 
I do think Tampa and Colorado winning, you know, three straight cups basically um, made, and I've said it, like you have to be an all-star team to win a cup now because look at those teams. Vegas is a good example of a team that maybe doesn't have all those superstars, but they went out and got Jack Eichel. They went out and got Alex Petrangelo. Like that's a, that's a path. Yeah. I also think we're underrating the goaltender a little bit, like, and the goaltending position. Like they got awesome goaltending that like, that was a big part of what Vegas did. It's a big part of what the blues did. Um, Carter Hart right now looks like he's going to be a part of it. And he's really good. Like that's something that can't be, you, you mentioned LA, like they, uh, they had three superstars. One was named Jonathan quick. Um, I like, I get where Danny's coming from. I just, I guess he doesn't want to set himself up to fail. Like, well, if you don't sign the free agent, then, then what? But I, he could have answered that way better. Like there's other ways to say it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as I said, I thought all the other answers in part one, I thought he did a really good job of of answering clearly and saying kind of what I think people, at least online, want to hear. That was the one. And and I, I really wanted to to get that follow up because as soon as he said high end skill as the very crazy, there were some other things he said that, that the team lacks. He said center depth in the organization, top four defensemen. There were other things. But when the first thing you say is we lack high end skill, the logical follow up was, OK, well, then how are you going to get it? And it does seem like their plan. And again, this could work. It it does seem their seem like their plan is wait for Mitchkoff and hope that Gautier is real good. And they might be. And if they are, like, I'm not of the belief that, like, even if even if Mitchkoff is a superstar and Cutter Gautier is a is a lowercase star, that then you need even more. Like, yeah, try to get more because try to be better. But that really should be enough given the quality talent they already have here. But the thing is, is that that isn't a guarantee. Like, it's not a guarantee that Matt Mitchkoff is going to be a superstar. I think he's going to be a superstar because I think he's friggin' awesome. But, like, I've been wrong before about players when they're 18 years old or 19 years old and still developing. So if Mitchkoff isn't that star, if he's a bust, if he's just okay, then how are they going to do it if they're drafting 14th through 20th for the next six, seven years? Yeah, and that's... (sighs) There's so much depending on those two guys. It, it, but I, I will say we have like, I was just laying out in my head what this thing could be like, I do it in my notes app all the time. And it's, I see Forster as someone who could be like, not a star, but a difference maker on a good team. I think the same thing about Bobby Brink, like they do have some pieces that, and it's why they're good this year. Like they have some pieces that are achieving beyond what we expected from them this season. And if they continue on a similar trajectory, I don't think Bobby Brink's going to become a hundred point guy, but I think he's going to be a really good middle six winger who scores a ton of points for you. Like that's something you need Tyson Forster. If he's going to be an excellent two way player who can score 25 to 35 goals, like, all right, cool. Guess what we just found? Jeff Carter. You know, <laughs> like you do need or, Mar- or, or Mark Stone or Mark like, Stone. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, listen, but, but an, an, another thing, too, I want to bring up about this, this idea of the high end talent, because look like Mitch Koff, they're hoping is going to be the, the capital S star, the game breaker, the guy who fixes the power play, the guy who has 100 point potential. However, I do want to point out that like 
Travis Konechny's on pace for 48 goals. If Travis Konechny scores 45 plus goals this year, he's a star. He would be he would be a guy who if if he was on another team, we would be calling him a star. Sean Couturier is like looking like he's going to be in the Selkie race again. He is a like if if that is who he is, if that is who he and Travis Konechny are. If Sean Couturier is just 28-year-old Sean Gatourier in a 31-year-old's body after two back surgeries. And if Travis Konechny is a borderline 50-goal scorer, those guys are stars. They are not game-breakers. They are not on the level of you know Nathan McKinnon or Connor McDavid or whatever. But they are very clearly guys who can be really good players on a cup contender because I, I just I, – I don't want us to be underrating what these guys, what the Flyers' current top-of-the-lineup guys could be. Like, look, it's possible that Travis Konechny goes three weeks without a goal and finishes with 35 goals, and then he's just a good player rather than a great player. But if he keeps scoring like this, we have to say that he's a great player. And if Sean Couturier finishes top three in the Selkie voting again, I think we have to say he's a great player. And then suddenly, if you have a couple great players and you add Mitchkoff to that, then this could work. Uh, That's like... I just, the answer is what bothers me because I get what he's saying and it's, it comes off as what do you need? High end talent. How are you going to get it? I don't think we are. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, well, should we start over again already? Danny, it's been six months. (laughs) Like, do we need to hit reset? I, I just, I, he fumbled the answer, but like, I get what he's saying. And I do think there's a good base here and there are other ways to go about it. I just didn't love it. Uh, call card collectors i could have done like they're collecting high-end talent if you want to collect things that's how i should pretend i did that calling all card collectors wheelhouse is our go-to uh wheelhouse is our go-to sports card gift and apparel shop in the delaware valley their motto is cards and community because the love of sports unites us all they carry all your favorite card brands like Topps Chrome Baseball and Mosaic Football, as well as T-shirts, hats, and hoodies from brands like Mitchell & Ness, 47 Brand, Junk Food, Starter, and Shide Vintage Sports. Looking to grade your own sports card collection? Wheelhouse, Wheelhouse offers PSA grading submissions. They also host tons of different family-friendly events and birthday parties every month. Stop into either of their stores in Wayne or Westchester. Open seven days a week at 11 a.m. and use code PHLY to get $10 off any purchase of 25 or more in-store. That's right, an in-store discount. Also, be sure to give them a follow on Instagram at Wheelhouse cards all right charlie do you have anything else you wanted to get to from um from your danny interview before we move on to the mailbag i think we could go to the mailbag but again keep an eye out for part two tomorrow for diehard members all right it is now officially just another mailbag monday and we are going to lead off the proceedings with a question from jay hockey fan He says, I see that the Flyers are controlling expected goals for and expected goals for percentage at five on five, but are slightly below average with their PDO. Since they aren't on a PDO bender, is their recent winning more sustainable as long as their forecheck and goaltending remain solid? This kind of gets to what I asked earlier. Like, is there anything else you're seeing? Because, yes, Carter Hart's been very good. Also, the team save percentage is like bottom 10 in the league. Now, that has a lot to do just do with a few really bad games uh, and it 
it is on the rise, but they're not just scoring on 50% of their shots and their goalies aren't posting a 950. Like shit that isn't sustainable isn't how they're doing it right now. Do you think they can keep this going? What I will say is that the Flyers process is absolutely sound. And it's not just sound. It's really strong. Like you're talking about expected goals for the the model that I prefer to use is the model on evolving hockey. I think it's the the best one in the public sphere. The Flyers are at 54.96% of an expected goals for share at five on five. That's third best in the league. 55%. That's real, real good. Their goals for at five on five, the actual goals is 51.13. So it is a little lower than their expected goals. That would imply that, hey, maybe they actually could be due for some positive regression. The one thing I will say about that, though, is that like we look at this team and we've said We've said it on the show literally about 10 minutes ago. What they lack is high-end talent. Danny Breer said that. So I do think that they're probably going to shoot, maybe have a lower shooting percentage than you might than you might expect, given the fact that they just don't have as many game breakers. So I do think they may underperform their expected numbers a bit just because I don't think they're going to finish at the level of teams that have high-end finishers. Maybe that changes. You know, Tyson Forrest is starting to score more. He has a plus shot. Owen Tippett, same thing. So there's 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 a chance there. Travis Connecting, I think, is legitimately an elite finisher, and he's obviously not having any trouble scoring goals right now. But I do think it's possible that they underperform their expected goals a little bit. So I'm not necessarily expecting for them to go on a heater to catch up to their expected goals, but their numbers are real, real good. Like 55% expected goals for five on five is fantastic. And it's, it's the same thing if, in all situations. They're at 53.37 in all situations. That's even accounting for how bad their power play is. They're <laughs> fifth best in the league in all situations expected goals for. So the process is sound. To me, the, the big concern is less about like, are they doing it the right way? They are. The bigger concern I have is, are they talented enough to keep up this strong of a process? Like that to me is where the regression, if it happens, is going to come in because certain guys are playing a little bit over their heads in terms of like they're playing better than they actually are. If, if they regress, that's why. It's not going to be because they're on a PDO bender and they're just getting lucky. They're very much not getting lucky. The process is sound. I do worry a bit that the players might be playing a little bit over their heads though. Not to mention, I have to imagine playing John Tortorella's style of hockey is uh, tiring. And yeah. you know, like we were all just we were all just talking out in the uh, like out in our little common area before the show started, like about what the Eagles are going through right now. And like, there's a lot of things you can point to. I don't think it should be overlooked that they're fucking tired. Like. <laughs> <laughs> they they're coming off this ridiculous stretch of games they played into february last year they're probably just tired that could happen to the flyers playing the way they play they play at a high pace they're constantly trying to push the puck they forecheck their asses off they're physical they could run out of gas in february like that's on the table um i did see Brian Knight got it pointed out. They can add top end talent by giving Elias Pettersson an offer sheet in 2024. <laughs> just saying I'm with you, Brian. Oh, I'm with you. He hasn't signed yet. Charlie. He hasn't signed yet. All right. Uh, let's go to our next mailbag question. It is from Jake S. Are we getting to the point where the ceiling of this team might be a lot higher than we thought? 
I think about this team compared to the 2020 squad. We don't have an offensive weapon as good as G, but I think you could argue our depth and defensive structure is as strong as then. I wonder, I, I don't want to just say that the 10, like, what do you think the ceiling of this team is, Charlie? Honestly, what do you think the ceiling is? The ceiling, I still think it's probably like best case scenario. They win a playoff round. I don't think they, they are any better than that, even in my wildest imagination, but like that's significantly higher than what I thought it was going into the year. I thought their ceiling going into the year was interesting bubble team that finishes five or six points out of a playoff spot. Now I think, you know, they could like, look, the way the playoffs are set up, is you play a Metro team. Like if the Flyers played the Penguins or the Flyers played the Islanders, like, I don't know. I, I think they might be better than those teams. They're I don't think they're better than Carolina. I don't think they're better than the Devils. I don't think they're better than the Rangers. But like, hey, in the right matchup, yeah, maybe they could. Maybe they could win a round. I think the really the big thing that we're learning too, because Jake brought up that the 2020 squad. I think the big thing that we're learning, especially over this recent stretch, because I think his game has really reached another level over just how freaking six five. He's at nearly sixty percent. Like if that keeps up, that's like Patrice Bergeron levels of good. That is, he's going to win the Selkie a second time. Good, and he's doing this after missing a year and a half after two back surgeries. It's wild. Like you don't want to know what raises the ceiling of the Flyers, Sean Couturier. That's what raises the ceiling of the Flyers. It's going to end up being like his his injury is the best thing that ever happened to this organization. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we forced out Chuck, and uh, it turns out, no, we we have, like, the best two-way center in the league still. Got, um, got Mitch Koff. Yeah, they wouldn't have got Mitch Koff. And then we get Mitch Koff and Cutter Gauthier yeah. because of it. Like, absolutely yeah. tremendous. I do want to backtrack uh, to, the, to the last question. You called... You called Travis Konechny an elite finisher, and it's impossible to argue with that, Charlie. Uh, I just want to, like, a full circle thing. I remember arguing with you in <laughs> David Katai's dad's attic when we were doing Sons of Penn about, I was like, he just doesn't have an NHL shot. Like, he's getting all these chances. He's electric to watch. He's really fun. And he never finishes. And I don't think he ever will. And that really just, like, caps what his ceiling can be because he doesn't have an NHL shot. Well, now he scores on two breakaways every game. Like, he, <laughs> he, he has become not just, like, a good enough finisher. Like, you just called him elite. And it's like, yeah, man, he's got as many goals as anyone in the league. Like, that's... It's wild how he's developed and like the the path it took. I guess that's something that should give us a little po- like if someone's not a superstar right away, it doesn't mean they don't have a higher ceiling than where they're at. Just something to keep in mind as we watch these young guys and what we think this rebuild is going to be over the next couple of years. All right, let's go to uh, Michael Hennigan. Uh, Michael asks, Torts said the struggles are coming. Where are the struggles, and when do we believe the Flyers have outgrown said struggles? Charlie, when and where is this team going to lose again? Because I'm under the impression they're going to win out. Well, you know what? <laughs> what? When we will learn if this Flyers team has completely turned the page on the past, the Disney on ice trip. That's, that's when it's coming. 
that's the one, right? Like that's always the benchmark of, you know, where things are going to go wrong. It's when they're in, like they go to Western Canada, usually West yep. coast, whatever it is. Yeah. That is a good, cause we've pointed out a lot of things along the way. Like I, I've said a couple of times this season, like I think the Colorado game was a great example of it. Things start going the other way. You know, they miss it. Like they had three shots on a breakaway. Basically, they don't score on any of them. Colorado's buzzing. It's a one goal game. And then suddenly, bang, they score. They go on. They take control back of the game. Like they don't let one thing become eight things. Snowball disaster. That's a difference from years past. I'm looking forward to the Disney on ice trip to see if that's maybe just a little bit of a tweak to this team and like their, their makeup, you know, John Tortorella says we win cause we have balls. I want to see <laughs> that. I want to see that on that. Uh, on that I, Disney I, on ice I, trip. I hope you don't want to see their ball. <laughs> that's, I'm re- it's really funny to say, I'm really looking forward to seeing some balls on that Disney on ice. You know, that's, that's oh definitely gosh. something I want to see clipped at some Amazing. point. Uh, <laughs> All right, this is from uh this is from yeah, that was okay. Flyers fan 39. He asks, "Do you see Cam Atkinson's lackluster play as more of a slump, something he can break out of with some goals, a byproduct of a difficult offseason could be better next year if he/healthy or who he is now post injury? I know he's had some assists, but he still seems off to me." I don't think Cam Atkinson has scored since like Halloween or something. <laughs> like it's been a while, uh, considering he started out so hot and it was like, oh my God, Cam's back too. It's he hasn't been what he was to start the year. What are you seeing out of Cam Atkinson? Yeah, I think he's gone twelve games without a goal. So it's been it's been a struggle. Look, I think it's probably a combination of a lot of things. But if I had to pick two, I think number one, it is just the fact that, look, he's a goal scorer. Goal scorers are streaky. And then also the fact that he's 34. Like, I just think that he's going to be a streaky player because he's always been a streaky player. But because he's older, those bad streaks are going to last longer than they did when he was 31, 32. Like, it's just the aging curve comes for everybody. And, and I think that, well, I fully trust that he's healthy. I don't think, I mean, aside from just the usual, you know, bumps and bruises you get during an NHL season because it's a physical sport. Like, I don't think he's playing through injury, but I do think that this just might be who he is. I do not expect him to continue to not score forever. I think he's going to chip in at some point. Might Maybe he'll even score tomorrow in Nashville. It's possible. Maybe you throw that in your bets. But I do think that, like, these slumps for a streaky goal scorer are probably going to last a bit longer now that he's older and he's 34. He'll be 35 in June of next year. Like this just kind of happens. I, I think he's, I think he's a fine player at this point, but I don't think he is, you know, the player he was when he scored 40 goals way back. And that's why I said, Charlie, as soon as he scores a few goals, they just needed to trade him immediately. And, uh, they missed their chance. Should have made it around Canadian Thanksgiving, I think. That might He'll be score before. more. Don't worry. He'll score more. <laughs> I know. I know. All right. From uh, Brett Smith, mailbag question from Brett Smith. He asks, should the Flyers draft more Russians so the mad Russian has a friend who speaks the same language? And at first I laughed at this, and then I thought, you know, like, the head coach of the team is – 
building like his strategy to suit this guy when he comes over maybe three years from now, you know, uh, it seems as if they know he's going to be what they're building around. And if they're building around him, would it make sense to have a few more guys who maybe understand his one, just his native language, understand his culture, understand where he's coming from? Do you think that could be important? Uh, it can't hurt. I don't think the Flyers want to become like the North, like Russia West. If we're going with like the, uh, like, you know, the, the Kings yeah. Flyers West, things like that. Like, I, I don't think that's the plan. Work for the Red It Ones. can't hurt to, yeah, it can't hurt to get one, you know, to get one more. I do think that, and this is just a hunch. I haven't heard this from anyone. Keith Jones really thinks it's important to have a big defense. I think that the Flyers dream would be there's there's this six foot seven Russian defenseman, Anton Siliev, I think is how, how you pronounce his name. I'm not quite sure. I'll figure that out when I start do, doing deeper dives in the draft. But I wouldn't be shocked if like he's the guy that they are praying they can find a way to draft. Um, he's already in the KHL. He got up to a real fast start, kind of slowed down a bit, but he's like a really good skater for being six foot seven. So, hey, maybe that's the guy. Maybe then they have their uh, their future number one defenseman and their future superstar up front, and they're both Russian. Maybe that's how it works. I don't think they're going to prioritize getting Russians just to help Mitchkov, but it can't hurt. I, one thing I could easily see them do is when Mitchkov is ready to come over, it would not shock me if they like, trade for a Russian vet or something like tr or, or sign a guy like to be a fourth liner to kind of be like help Mitchkoff adjust to it by being around someone who knows his language and has already done it. I could easily see them doing that. I don't think they necessarily have to draft somebody, but hey, they might do that too. That's I remember the Caps did it. I think they had Fedorov at one point. Like there have been times where that's been a strategy for teams. So I could definitely see if not drafting more guys, but you're also you're also leaving out. Yeah, we, they could get that defenseman, and then they'll have Mitchkov. You're leaving out Kolasov, Charlie. You know he he could that's very true. well be the goalie. He, he could be the goalie of the but future. He's, he's he's Belarusian, right? He's not a he's oh, not is Russian. That's he? oh, the I same thing, isn't it? I believe he's Belarusian. Well, not not, not to Belarusians. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly, not. I know very little of uh, Eastern European culture, so I could be I could be wrong on that one. All right, let's uh, let's final question from Notorious Pig again, an outstanding uh, outstanding <laughs> Twitter handle. If the Flyers make the playoffs, does Cutter get sent to the Phantoms to help their playoff run? Um. I would be apoplectic if that happened, Charlie. Yeah. If, if, if the if, if, yeah, Flyers make the playoffs, get Cutter in the games, man. Yeah, I, I, I mean, want to see we, him in the playoffs. We saw we saw Kale McCarr step off the ice in college and step right into. He played a playoff game before he played a regular season game in his career. You know, um, uh, I get like, oh well, you, maybe you don't want to upset team chemistry. One, it would be Morgan Frost coming out, so like, don't worry about it. It's it would, would absolutely be more. It would Frost. slot in perfectly in the three C. Like, oh, guess what? We're taking out Morgan and we're putting in Cutter. So there's no loss there uh, because Morgan Frost he could save every dog in the Philly rescues yeah. over the next month. And guess what? It's not going to change John Tortorella's mind about him. Um, uh, so I would I would be shocked if his season ends in time to join the Flyers and whether they're in the players playoffs or not. I would be shocked if it's not with the big club that we see. 
I would agree. I would think that if he signs and, and look, there's a chance that even if he signs, he might not have the opportunity to really play games because Boston College is one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, I mean, they awesome. could very they could very easily win the national championship. They could be playing all the way through the frozen four. It's possible that he signs and isn't able to get in games because they played for the entire season and they played to the final game of the, of the college hockey season. So we'll see how it plays out. But I mean, he, I'm sure he's having a blast with that Boston college team. That team is loaded. Yeah. They're ranked number one. Like they're freaking awesome. I mean, like they just plucked an entire line out of the U S development program. They're like, yep. Here you go. Like Cutter Gauthier was the fifth overall pick. And it's like, yeah, actually he's not on their top line. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's pretty wild, Charlie. Uh, they're looking real good. All you have to do to look good. It's shop at Foco, baby. Uh, Foco here. It is. <laughs> I'm having a lot of trouble scrolling today. Like, I don't know what it is. This is not my best ad read day. Foco is the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Whether you're looking for team apparel for the season ahead, they've got overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, anything you need for game day, or maybe you need some, uh, I don't know, accessories, toys, or collectibles for your man cave, she shed or podcast set. Well, for any of that, you've got to use Foco. Foco always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in the description of the show. And for all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY10. That's PHLY10 for 10% off. Shop at Foco. Get some PJs, man, for the holidays. Yeah, red flannel, that's played out. Get the Flyers pajamas there. That's that's what I'm pushing now. And use PHLY10 to get your 10% off. All right, Charlie, we're basically done. Uh, I feel like there was something else I wanted to talk to you about, but that's the beauty of a daily show. I'll remember on my drive home, and we'll get to do it uh, post-game tomorrow. Uh, I do want to push one more time. The takeover on Thursday... December 14th, that's this week, this Thursday. It is going to be an awesome time. Flyers, Caps, there's a meetup at uh, all the festivities. Start at 6 at the mezzanine bar upstairs uh, around Section 217. You get a ticket to the game, Section 217. You get access to that little meetup pregame, and you get free food and drink through second intermission. The question isn't why, the question is why not. Why not? As a scalper told me outside of uh, Flyers-Penguins playoff game in 09, the, the notorious shh, uh, Talbot fight game with Carcillo, treat yourself, don't cheat yourself. Uh, I only had like eight bucks in my bank account at the time, and I had to get the subway home, so I could not buy those tickets from that scalper at that time. Uh, but I want to impress on you the life lesson he taught me that day. Treat yourself. Don't cheat yourself. Come to the PHLY Flyers takeover this Thursday. All right, Charlie, that'll do it for me. Are we all done? All right. For Charlie yeah, O'Connor. I think so. All right. Uh, that'll do it for us. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you know the drill. Subscribe. Follow us here. You know, all the places. YouTube, podcast, Twitter, etc. And go to allphly.com. Read Charlie's interview with Danny Briere. All that stuff. All right. My name is Bill Matz for Charlie O'Connor. Have a great week, Philly.